I was reading a survey in the week. It was actually conducted back uh, five years ago. And what they found was that 50% of women had planned their wedding days way before they met their spouse. Like, I mean, that was some planning, eh? (laughs) Um, And uh, and many of you guys here will know that your future wife had done that. Um, Many of us uh, grow up with this idealized view of family. Um, 2.4 children, um, that kind of thing. And if that doesn't happen, there must be something wrong with me. Some of the code must be broken. Things are changing. In our postmodern culture, we're told that lifelong marriage is dead, that children are expensive and an interruption. Life is all about me, baby. Emma Watson, the actress who you may have heard of, she, she um, was interviewed this week. She says, I'm happy being single, but I, I talk about myself as being self-partnered. So, not that happy. My point in sharing that is that I think our culture has lost the place and the value of being single. And I want to talk about that this morning. There are lots of expressions of being single. Some of you here may be single, maybe because you're young and just haven't come to an age where you maybe do get married. Maybe you have been married but are now uh, separated or divorced. Maybe you are married but your marriage is maybe falling apart in some way and so you sort of feel quite single. Maybe for some here your spouse is actually living in a different country. And so whilst you are married, you are in some ways living as a single person. Maybe you've been widowed. Maybe you're someone who is longing to be married, but it's not happening. And that leaves a deep ache in the heart. So, if you have a Bible, could you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7? We're continuing our Family Matters series this morning. And what I want to do is to help us into a biblical view of what it means to be single. Now... This is not an easy topic. It's very emotional. And what Paul, the Apostle Paul, writes in 1 Corinthians 7 is not easy. So, in the same way that you are praying for me, I'm going to pray for us all. Okay? Lord Jesus, thank you for your presence here this morning. And Lord, I want to ask that wherever we find ourselves relationally in life this morning, I pray that we would know that grace is waiting for us. That we would know your arms very wide towards us. Your great love being poured out on us. And so, Lord, help us this morning to engage well with your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, I'm going I'm to read from the message uh, version of the Bible this morning. This is 1 Corinthians 7. I'm going to start in verse 7. This is what we find. Sometimes I wish everyone was single like me. A simpler life in so many ways. But celibacy is not for everyone any more than marriage is. God gives the gift of being of the single life to some, the gift of the married life to others. I do, though, tell the unmarried and widows that singleness might well be the best thing for them, as it has been for me. Paul then talks about marriage, so we're going to go down into verse 17 and pick up there. He says, don't be wishing you were someplace else or with someone else. 
where you are right now is God's place for you. Live and obey and love and believe right there. God, not your marital status, defines your life. Amen. Don't think I'm being harder on you than on the others. I give this same counsel in all the churches. Were you Jewish at the time God called you? Don't try to remove the evidence. Were you non-Jewish at the time of your call? Don't become a Jew. Being Jewish isn't the point. The really important thing is obeying God's call, following His command. And then down to verse 26. Because of the current pressures on us from all sides, I think it will probably be best to stay just as you are. Are you married? Stay married. Are you unmarried? Don't get married. But there's certainly no sin in getting married, whether you're a virgin or not. All I am saying is that when you marry, you take on additional stress. In an already stressful time, some of you are nodding. And I want to spare you, if possible. I do want to point out, friends, that time is of the essence. There is no time to waste, so don't complicate your lives unnecessarily. Keep it simple. In marriage, grief, joy, whatever. Even in ordinary things, your daily routines of shopping and so on. Deal as sparingly as possible with the things the world thrusts on you. This world, as you see it, is on its way out. I want you to live as free of complications as possible. When you're unmarried, you're free to concentrate on simply pleasing the master. Marriage involves you in all the nuts and bolts of domestic life and in wanting to please your spouse, leading to so many more demands on your attention. The time and energy that married people spend on caring for and nurturing each other, the unmarried can spend on becoming whole and holy instruments of God. I'm trying to be helpful and make it as easy as possible for you, not make things harder. All I want is for you to be able to develop a way of life in which you can spend plenty of time together with the Master without a lot of distraction. What I want to do this morning is share some thoughts on how we can do well if we're single. And then I'm going to chat with Tim and get her thoughts this morning. And I, and I hope this is helpful whether you're, whether you're single here this morning for whatever reason. Or if you're married, you all know single people. And if you're here this morning and you don't yet uh, have a personal relationship with Jesus, again, you're incredibly welcome. And I hope that what we share um, is helpful to you. You know, in these verses, one of the things that Paul does is reminds us of a foundation that every one of us is to build our lives upon, married or single. Verse 17, God, not your marital status, defines your life. And then in verse 18, he says, well, if you weren't a Jew when you came to faith, don't try and become one. And if you were Jewish, don't try and obliterate the evidence. His point is simply this, that we are enough in Christ. We have a new identity. We have a new family. Look around you. These are your new brothers and sisters, mums and dads, aunties and uncles. You have a new identity. And what from that identity, what Paul then talks about is the blessings that we can find if we are single. Now, 
some of you may already be thinking, okay, here we go. Here is another preacher who has been married for 25 years about to tell me that I have the gift of singleness. And you're thinking, I hope he gets the gift of silence. Like, really quickly. Did you notice in what Paul writes about living as a single person? There's no hint of sadness, is there? There's no hint of sadness. Rather, he talks about some of the blessings that, that, are, that are opened up. Verse 7, he says, Sometimes I wish everyone was single like me, a simpler life in many ways. And then in verse 32, I want you to live as free of complications as possible. When you're unmarried, you're free to concentrate on simply pleasing the master. One of the things that Paul says is that if we're single, we have less to worry about. Now, I'm not saying that if you're single, you don't have stuff to worry about. I'm not saying that it is stress-free. But what Paul is reminding us is that if we're single, there are generally fewer layers of complexity in life. And that creates some space. That creates margin in our lives. And in that extra space, Paul urges us to focus on a passionate pursuit of Jesus and his kingdom. You know, it's easy in life, isn't it, to think about the what-ifs. And, you know, so if you're single here, you might be thinking, well, you know, what if that relationship had worked out? What if such and such had happened? What if such and such hadn't happened? What if, if only dot, dot, dot? Paul says this, verse 17. Don't be wishing you were someplace else or with someone else. And I think the point is this. That kind of what if thinking robs us of joy now. That's what it does. So if you are single right now, use the space, use the margin in your life to pursue Jesus and his transforming power. And Paul touches on that transforming power. Let, let me put it like this. You know, there is a disastrous relationship equation in our world, and it goes like this. One half plus one half makes a whole. So, you know, people often, if they're married or with someone, they'll say, my other half, or my better half. Can I just say this this morning? I don't want to be married to a half a person. I don't want to be half a person. I don't want to be friends with someone who is half a person. Each of us, if we want healthy relationships, need to bring a whole person. And Paul writes about that. He says, use that margin to become whole and holy instruments of God. And so if you're single, use that space. Okay, all right so far? We have a new identity in Christ. If we're single, there is blessing that God has for us. If you had a hard hat, now is the time to put it on, because I am metaphorically putting on mine. Singleness has a cost. There are some costs. And one of the greatest costs is in the area of physical touch, physical intimacy, and sex. Verse 7. Let me just read that again. Paul says, Sometimes I wish everyone was single like me, a simpler life in many ways, but 
celibacy is not for everyone any more than marriage is. Paul wishes that we would be celibate like him. Now, celibacy is willingly giving up sex until marriage. This is difficult. But I want to suggest this morning that it is not impossible. And I say that because I don't believe that Jesus ever asks us to do things that are impossible. If he did, that would be cruel. And I don't think that that Jesus is cruel. He invites us to do things that are impossible. He calls us into a radical discipleship made possible by the power of the Holy Spirit and by some good choices. Let me give you an example. Over the past few months, I have lost some weight. And a bunch of you have commented on that graciously. God bless you. And that is, I, I'm unwell, okay, just in case. I'm not unwell, okay? It has been through making some intentional changes, and one of those is in the food that we buy. So, if we kept filling our kitchen cupboards with chocolate, weight loss is not going to happen. We have to choose a better way. Later in this letter, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, he says, Yet I will show you a still more excellent way. And so what if a high and holy view of sex is a more excellent way? Rather than defaulting to what our culture says, which by and large says, do anything you want as long as it doesn't hurt somebody else. What if a more excellent way was a high and holy view of sex? Now, in this area of physical intimacy and sex, a question that is often raised by single Christians is this. How far is too far? How far is too far? For those of you that lived in the 90s, do you remember the U.S. President, former U.S. President Bill Clinton and his um, interactions with an intern? Uh, Monica Lewinsky, and there was a famous TV interview where they challenged him, and he said, I did not have sex with that woman. And then it became apparent that they had been um, quite close. They'd done that, but not that. So what counts as sex? What's too far? These are big questions, aren't they? They're important, they're difficult, challenging questions. I think sometimes what lies at the heart of that question is this. What can I get away with? What can I get away with? I want to suggest a better way of, if you're thinking that kind of way, a better way of framing that question. A better way is this. How can I most please Jesus? So if this thing might lead to that, which leads to that, which leads to that, and I know that that does not please him, then I'm not going to start that chain of events in the first place. And so we will need to steer clear of temptation. You know, there are costs of living a celibate life. One is, you know, I might, I, you might not have your own biological children. There is significant pain when deep desire is unmet. I can't offer you an easy five-step program this morning. What we do have is one another. And what we do have is the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
And one of the things that God wants to do within us is to move us just from a sexual intimacy with the highest soul towards spiritual friendship. C.S. Lewis, great Christian author, wrote this. He says, To the ancient, friendship seemed like the happiest and most fully human of all loves. The crown of life and the school of virtue. The modern world, in comparison, ignores it. There is huge value in friendship. You see, we're gathering together this morning as a church community, but this is not a meeting. Okay? This is not a service that you happen to have attended. This is family. This is a, this is a clan meeting. This is a tribe getting together. This is family. And if you're here this morning and you're someone who says, well, I don't really do family, tough. Because we do. This is family. See, it's why we constantly talk about things like small groups in the life of this church, a core expression of family. If you're not in a small group, not connected in that way to family, then family and discipleship is not going to go as well as it could. And at the heart of what God provides for every one of us, including those who are single, is family. Psalm chapter 68 and verse 6. God sets the lonely into family. Now, some people that are single do talk about being lonely. For my, for my dad, some of you will know that my mum passed away in January. They had been married for 56 years. They'd been together for over 60. When I call him up and say, Dad, how are you doing? Invariably, he says, I'm lonely. Massive hole in his life. And some of you will resonate with that sense of loneliness. But others, it's more a sense of being alone, which is different to being lonely. That, that experience, there's not always someone there to share the good times and the bad times and the you know, that, that, that phone call that's just happened, there's a sense of aloneness. And so whether we feel lonely or whether we feel alone, the church is called to be the antidote. Called to be the antidote because God sets the lonely in family. How does that look? How might that look? How can we connect into family? Well, as much as I would love every one of you to pile into our land, there just isn't space just isn't space. But there are a lot of lounges each week in the life of this church. Let me just share a few. One of the great lounges coming up is next Sunday morning. If you're new to our church, it's our newcomers event. It is after the 11.15 service. We will set up a lounge at the back of the auditorium here at which there will be coffee and cake. It is a great lounge. Yesterday, there was a men's walk. That's a walking lounge. In a couple of weeks' time, there's a men's curry night. That's a lounge in a curry house. There are women's ministry events. Um, last week, we, we had a bonfire in our garden for the Riverside Young Adults. That was a lounge in our garden. There's the evening service. That is a great lounge space. There are all of our small groups meeting in homes or in other spaces, some here at the church centre. There are teams that get together to serve. There are multiple lounges across our church most days of the week. And so if you're not connected into family, would you commit 
to doing something about that today. And one of the most, the, 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 the first steps to take, because we would love to help. There are passionate people in our church, leaders, staff, that would love to help every one of us to do family work. And so a great first step would be to come over to the welcome point at the end of the service and to ask about, you know, how can I connect? I really want to connect. I want to do family well. Can you help me? And the answer would be yes. And we'd love to help. Ken, would you come and join us? Can you welcome Ken? Ken, we've, we've upgraded the chairs from last week. Uh, we were on bar stools last week, and now we're on nice armchairs. So, because I'm I'm too short for bar stool. <laughs> Look, you said that, and not me. <laughs> Can I go to this one? Come on, it's like good. Cool. So, some of you will know Ken. Others may not. Ken um, serves as one of our trustees. You've been around Riverside for like ever. Uh, I, I think it's about twenty-eight or twenty-nine years. Obviously, I joined in '99. Like when you were three. Yeah, just, just, just so people aren't confused about that. Um, Ken, you, you, you live as a single person now. Could you just briefly share some of your kind of journey over the past? Uh, yeah, so um, I come from the north of England. I moved to London many years ago when I uh, qualified as a chartered accountant. Um, when I was growing up, I had a few uh, long term boyfriends. Um, I got married when I was 26, um, so not terribly young, but um, quite immature, <laughs> not really prepared for marriage. Um, I didn't have a great role model for marriage growing up, and uh, I think I was really addicted, you know, and, and marriages break down for all sorts of reasons, um, but um, that probably played a part in the failure of, of my own marriage, so um, we got divorced. And uh, then after my marriage, a few years after my divorce, rather, um, I did meet somebody else, and uh, we started to talk about getting married, uh, and then um, we went on holiday, we met somebody else, and uh, a few months later, I read about his engagement in the church newsletter. <laughs> um, so that's all a long time ago, and, uh, and I've been single and living on my own ever since then. Kim, thank you. Ken, we, we chatted in the week, and you shared with me just some of the the, the blessings, the, the benefits that you have experienced as a single person. Could you just share some of those with us? Yeah, so I really related to um, what you were saying about the blessing of um, having your own space. It was actually something that I thank God for pretty much every day. Um, quiet, peace. Solitude when I choose it, space to do my own thing. Um, you know, I think if you're in a relationship, you're probably compromising all the time. Um, I don't have to compromise very much. I might defer to a friend's choice of film. I might um, defer to them over where we go on holiday or whatever. But most of the time, I have I have that freedom you were talking about and um, the space to do what I want. Um, I have to say, you know, this, I'm not going to contradict St. Paul or Lady Chapman, um, clearly, but, <laughs> you know, but you're right, what you, were, what you were saying, you know, about Paul describing um, singleness as a gift, that, that is hard, 
It was hard. And you know, when you're through between, after at the end of the service, if you said, we want to, we want you to experience God's good gifts for your life, then said, come on up, you know, come over here if you want the gift of speaking in tongues, and come up the front here if you want the gift of prophecy, and form a queue over there for the gift of celibacy. We're not going to lose crowd control over there, are we? Really? That's that's the long and the short of it. So it is a struggle, and I think those years are just changing for you. The most of it, it's it's kept up on us. It's something that happened to us, um, and you look around one day and think, "Wow, I've been through this again." Um, but what is certainly right, you know, and what. Um, it is difficult in the sense that as I look back over my life, I have had the freedom and the space and the time and the energy to press into things that I might not have had the time and energy to do. So I was able to press into my careers. I was able to press into the good things that God had for me. You know, um, finding out what I was gifted to do, I quit my life. Um, being involved in so many different ministries because there's no nobody battling for my time and, and my affections. And um, so I certainly, you know, that, that resonates with me. Penny, thank you. Penny, you, you've touched on some of the challenges already. Do you want to just, because, just, just, you know, unpack that a little bit more. What have been some of the challenges for you? Well, so um, I'm alone more than I'm lonely. Um, I'm very, very rarely lonely. But being alone is, is really difficult. And um, I think, you know, life sometimes just feels better shared with another person. Um, you know, if I go out for a lovely walk and I find the hills and there's a fabulous view, um, it's nice to share that with people. Um, equally, you know, if, if times are hard, that's also better shared with somebody else. Um, social events can be a challenge going on your own. Do you want to just, did you share some, are you happy to share some of those anecdotes? Or? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, when I was, um, when I was working, I also had to go to quite a few corporate events. And I'd say about, I don't know, about 98% of the people going to them would have somebody to go with. So I'd be in a small minority. And uh, I remember sharing this once. And uh, I was talking to Bill, somebody saying to me, a Christian um, acquaintance of mine saying, Oh, Tony, don't get me wrong. Just think, just think of Jesus as your dancing partner. I mean, what what does that even mean? I don't. I don't, don't say that to anybody. That, you know, just take a note, mental note to self. Never say that. Just, I find this whole um, implication that, that Jesus is my husband really unhelpful. You know, I, I have a great relationship with Jesus, but I don't have a husband. <laughs> That's the reality. Um, but can I, can I share something that, you know, it, 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 the way somebody spoke very helpfully into my life. I remember a few years ago, somebody here approaching me and saying, Tim, I, I, I'd really like to pray for you. Um, and I just wonder, are you looking for somebody else to share your life with? Because if you are, then I'd like to pray for that for you. And that was lovely. That was gentle. That was 
time that we consider it, they didn't assume that my number one priority in life was to find a husband. But they, they kindly and gently asked me if that was something that they could pay for for me. Um, and I, I really appreciated that. Now, Kim, you, you said that you've been around this church and church for like ever. How has church helped? But what else did church do? So, um, I have two older brothers, and they're pretty much my only biological family. So, when I say church is my family, I really, really mean it. Because I don't really have that, that nuclear family. Um, so, we have two small groups. So, I've been part of a small group in this church uh, since my very first week of coming along at school. And it's been really important. And uh, we have a little WhatsApp group in my, in my small group. And I know that I can reach out to them. I can share things that are going on, good and bad. Um, and I can ask them to help. And uh, I think it's great that we have an environment where we can ask for help with the small stuff, if I can put it that way. You know, I, I know that small groups rally and start putting names and things and somebody has a baby or somebody's ill or something like that. Um, one of my areas of particular vulnerability that I feel most alone is when something goes wrong in my house. You know, it'd be different for different people, but that's my thing. Um, it's the time that I really feel um, the lack of somebody else to share with this time. And uh, just recently, I, there was something in my kitchen that needed fixing. And uh, so I, I walked back to my small group and said, you know, I've got to do this. Does anybody know how to do it? And nobody did. They'd never come across this before. But, you know, um, one man in my small group um, said things, he said, listen, if you're struggling, I just need to have a look at it. And that means a lot. It's a small thing, but it's part of being a family together. It was, it was very vulnerable to me to know that, you know, people are there. And I think one of the things that has been a problem, you know, I do have anger tendencies to be completely drunk. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've got the mic, yeah. Um, sometimes church and society feel like they're, they're structured around couples and families. And uh, one of the things that has always baffled me at church is we have terms. We, we do things on term times and we have holidays. And um, I think that I do understand them with the rhythms of life, the times of rest, the seasons. Um, but it can, be, it can be a challenge. So I retired two years ago. Um, my first August as a retired person. I actually found quite difficult um, our small group wasn't with me. The ministry that I was involved in during the week wasn't with me. Um, we don't tend to organise our hot springs. Um, I look outside the church and it's stacked about with things and things at the cinema. <laughs> um, you know, so that was that was a bit of a struggle. And, and if church is my family, then it, it does feel a bit like my family have gone away and left me home alone, you know. <laughs> um, and I, and I, I know a couple of other people have had trouble seeing things like this. I think that's that's not so 
really helps us to 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 remember those that aren't determined by school holidays. Life does not revolve around that. So it's just it's good to have that sort of that that lens, isn't it? And that and that perspective, I think, is what you're saying. Just to sort of not everybody is determined by school holidays and, and that kind of rhythm. Yeah. And, I, and what you said about lounges being a church of many lounges, you know, that's really, really good. And I just add in dining room tables as well, you know. And um, can I say it's absolutely fine to have an odd number of people around your, your table. Um, there is no social rule that says you have to have an even number of people. Um, so, so do, do you know, we've talked about this a lot, haven't we? Being a diverse church, integrated Mixing with people who are exactly like you, and I think that includes marriage and, and, and singles. Um, so feel, you know, feel free to invite a single person on their own. Um, and if you, if you have spare put in your contact list, then obviously Kim is up for an invite on that evening. I, I'll ask me first, but I'd probably say yes. Yeah. But Kim you first, know, and then Brad. Equally, equally, I travel alone. It's how I do life, uh, you know. So, so don't. So you will be alright. Don't feel awkward about that. Let's let's mix together. Right. I wanted to have time to pray. Kim, one of the reasons I I wanted to kind of chat with Kim this morning is because I think Kim has done really well living as a single person. And so, what I see in Kim is someone who is who, in lots of areas of life, has flourished. Um, and, and has pushed into things, and rather than wishing what if, uh, has actually pushed into a lot of the things that Jesus has for her. And so, Kim, thank you so much for sharing this morning. What what would be your top couple of tips that, that you'd say, it, it, these are the things that you'd point to and say, I've done that, and that has really helped me. Okay, the, I have quite a long list, so I'm going to be really quick. So, definitely what you said about... Um, Pressing into where you find your identity. You know, I spent too long waiting to be complete for you to be somebody else. Um, I wish decades ago I really pressed into that. And every morning I start my day by accepting God's love for me. And that, you know, I say, I, I know that He loves me, and I know I have worth, and I know I have value, um, and, and that I'm a special person to Him. Um, friendships. All of us, single or married, you know, friendships are so important. I've got friendships for every season of my life, you know. I've got friends in the hug, friends you don't want to hug. I've got a friend to go on a holiday with. That's such a blessing. You know, not all single people have that. Um, I've got friends who actually articulate that they love me. They say, Kim, we love you. This is what we love about you. And this is why we love being with you. That is so valuable. I, I, as I was thinking about that, when I realised I need to do that more for people in my life, that's such a valuable thing to do. Um, and then I think the other thing is, um, have fun with life. You know, grab opportunities. Don't wait to be married. Don't wait to have bought your first home. Don't wait for this, that, or the other. Um, grab the opportunities, maybe to, you know, progress your, your career or to travel or whatever this year. Um, I've, I've learned to do that. And um, as part of that, I make sure that I, I just plan things. Sometimes, sometimes people say to me, Kim, you're so busy, you're always out and about. Um, but that's because 
and um, I, I'm an introvert. I like quite like being on my own, but I know it's not healthy even for people like me to spend a lot of time alone. So I do make sure that um, if my diary is, is busy with stuff but empty of people, then I try and do things that, that bring me out of time with other people. So I think some of those would have been my top tips. Can we thank Kim for just sharing so honestly? Thank you. Now we are um, a diverse church, um, including relationally. Huge diversity. Um, you know, at times, you know, we, we celebrate, don't we, someone who's been married for a milestone number of years, but I want to do a different celebration this morning. I would love us together as a church family here, celebrate those who are single and who are pressing into Jesus and his purposes for their life. So I'm not going to ask you to stand. That would be bad. But I do want us as a family here at Riverside to celebrate you and to cheer you on as you follow Jesus and his call on your life. So we would like to applaud you. So can we do that together?